some uh, Colombian family members listening, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go hard. So they do a Colombian hot dog, where they put like a it's like a mayo ketchup mixture, right? And then you do like a cheese, like grated cheese, and then like a and then you take uh, uh, like just regular Lay's potato chips and you crumble it on top, and then you take diced pineapples. And you put mm. it on top. I was with and, you before the diced pineapples. No, nah, but you, you know what? You would you would be very, very pleased with it. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the 66th episode of the Cassidy's Creation. I'm your host, Chris Deering. This is a show where I interview bands and public figures from the Mathcore, Mathcore adjacent communities. If you beautiful people and chat any questions or comments, drop them in. I'll try to read them aloud. If you like the sub for five bucks, you get access to some exclusive emails, as well as access to the interviews before they hit YouTube and streaming services. Uh... If you're watching this on YouTube or listening to this in your car and have no idea what I'm talking about, the show is first recorded live on Twitch. Join us every Sunday and Wednesday at twitch.tv slash the cast inspiration for the live cast. With that out of the way, let me introduce our guest tonight who dropped their self-titled EP back in April. Welcome in, Wax People. How's it going, guys? Hey, chilling. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> uh, tell us who you are, what you do in the band. I'm, uh, I'm Mike. <laughs> Mike Mall, uh, I play the bass clarinet. The electric bass clarinet. <laughs> I'm, I'm Raj, I play guitar in Wax People. I'm Rusty, I play bass, six string bass. Alrighty. Bass clarinet, that's pretty interesting to have this in like a. Uh, oh, you call yourselves metal? I guess you're metal. Yeah, yes. we're trying to be that <laughs> more than anything else. Okay. <laughs> that is what, it is what it is. <laughs> Uh, let's start with your band name. Where, how'd you come up with the name? Are you just a bunch of waxy boys? What, what's going on? <laughs> Rusty, you want to take that one? <laughs> yes, man. Like, you know, it's just, it just, it felt cool. Uh, I like the idea of like this kind of you know, creepy faces, like, you know, just kind of melty slowly wax people. I don't know. Personally, like, I think it came from a few different places. There's like a Zappa tune called Plastic People. And he was like referring to people living in the valley back in the day. I don't know. It's like an old like 60s tune from his early stuff. I thought I loved that idea. I kind of had that connotation. And then recently I've discovered that like the astonishing stories of Marvel has a like a whole like 1960s story called The Wax People. It's about like mannequins moving at night. That's just a coincidence, but yeah. Okay. So is this a cool <laughs> name then? Yeah, just a cool didn't have name. Like, any meaning behind it. Okay. I think it fits though the aesthetic and vibe, and and so yeah. Okay. It feels good. Wear it, you know. Alrighty. <laughs> <laughs> so this is your first release. Tell me how, how you guys ended up coming together. Well, Mike, you uh, that, yeah. this actually yeah started a long time ago. Uh, the 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 seed of it was uh, basically um, I'd been kind of. Uh, trying to scheme an idea for a new group that I could uh, really just try to explore some some intense musical ideas and sound ideas with. And uh, I had met Rusty, I don't know, a couple, two, three years before that probably, maybe more than that. And uh, I thought he would be, uh, he'd be down and luckily he was. So I just hit him up and we just started working on ideas. You know, I, I had some stuff sketched out and then eventually, kind of over the years, we just uh, kind of put, put the actual full band together, a um, couple different iterations, and uh, just really dialed in the 
the songs over a long period of time. Did you plan to make music like this from the start, or did this start out differently? I think pretty much. Yeah, I think it was the idea to make it as like, like, oh, I have a really kind of fucked up idea. And it's like you come up with some numbers and some notes and then we would put it together and be like, ah, that's not really that that easy to play. Like, I have to practice that. And then we would show up the next week like, hey, dude, I figured it out. But you know what else would be cool? And it just kept evolving and growing. And then, like, obviously we have, like, our interests and bands that we, like, listen to and love. And they're all, like, really, I guess, like, complex grooves or simple grooves and things just kind of hit that way. Except it's our you know, interpretation and creation of that kind of stuff. Okay. How did yeah. you get in, Raj? Ra- I'm sorry, it was Raj, right? All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I've been friends with Rusty for like, a long, long time. Uh, met Mike through Rusty uh, while visiting CalArts, I believe. Um, so I was always familiar with, with these two, these two rascals. Uh, <laughs> seen them play a bunch of shows, uh, even went to visit them when they were first recording uh, the album that's Trio. Right. Yeah, that's uh, right. And I had expressed interest in playing. I was like, hey, if you guys ever need a guitar player, let me know. And then when uh, uh, when we got our new drummer, Jacob, uh, the books were open. So it was a good time to cross paths, as they would say. Alrighty. So that's how. I saw you guys like were playing shows back in 2017. Why did it take so long to get a release out? And then it's just an EP and it's not a full length. What? So what, what's going on with that? <laughs> the music, the music, like had evolved so many times. You know, like even if you like, I mean, the versions of what the songs were at that point weren't necessarily where they ended up. Like now on this release, we had done like a bunch of shows. Like kind of like you know, it takes a moment. I I feel like to find your sound and footing. Mike playing a clarinet in an, in an environment with like heavily hit heavy hitting drums, heavily amplified guitars. You know what I mean? It's like we had a, it took us, I would say probably about two years to really find a way to just like dial in our practice performative sound. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that had to do with like the bass clarinet, like sonically and how like, you know, he, eventually essentially we got a, an in, uh, mouthpiece pickup installed, which completely changed the game in terms of feedback and all those kinds of things because the clarinet sound comes outward and we couldn't Wait, so do it's anything. Like, it's electronic now? How does that work? You want to take that mic? Kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I got it because I thought this might come out. So, so like, just like a saxophone, it's got a mouthpiece, right? That, uh, but you can see. I don't know if you can see, but there's a hole on the top. Uh-huh. So I had this. I had this installed by uh uh by a guy in, in arizona and it's basically it's uh it's called a piezo pickup it's like a it's a it's these types of pickups are usually they're designed originally for uh for like acoustic instruments right rather than electric instruments so it's not like a pickup on the guitar like a magnetic pickup it's like a actually so it's like this little uh this little unit and it actually screws in it's threaded so it screws into the top of the mouthpiece and then you run a cable out of it and basically what it's doing is it's it's picking up the vibrations of the air okay. going through the mouthpiece which is basically the that's what makes the sound and it's like you can use that to amplify it but the the big deal is that it's a it avoids the use of a microphone completely and so feedback is 
completely gone, uh, which crazy. that was a huge, you know, a huge hurdle uh, over the years to kind of even figure out. Initially, it was just like, OK, I had to work with clip on microphones and things like that. And there's just it's it just doesn't really work. Uh, yeah, we, we would play bars or venues and it would just be like, uh, we have to bring so much gear that we think would be the best way to dial and control our sound. But it would just be it would never quite work. You know, it would always be bass and drums would be these really heavy things that everyone could hear. But the clarinet would always get covered. And so yeah, I have a very, very, yeah. just like, a very hard like ceiling of how loud I could go. And it's like even like using delays, I had to be super careful because that would just they would build on each other and stuff. It was hard, but this, yeah, it was really a game changer to get the pickup because then I could literally stand in front of the amplifier and crank it up and it was fine. <laughs> That's <laughs> totally awesome, fine. man. Yeah, so you run it through like a, like a guitar amp or? Yeah. Well, it's basically, I'm running like multi-effects. Uh, I've been mostly going through a bass amp so I can get a little more pump because I use a, a octave, uh, an octave pedal, for certain things, but I'm probably going to switch to a, like a, like a powered speaker. Cause it's got more high frequencies pretty right. soon. Cause I, I cover a lot of range from low to high. So it's good to be able to cut when I need to. Okay. That's awesome, yeah. man. The, uh, you don't see a lot of metal bands with a bass clarinet. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this release is amazing, guys. It, it's so cool to hear bands like trying to uh, experiment with their sound and reaching out past like uh, the uh, the box that you know a lot of metal is put into, and like trying to incorporate different instruments and stuff. I kind of feel like this is where like some bands are going to be heading in the future. You know what I mean? Like this is untraveled territory for the most part. There's a couple couple doing it, but you know. It's cool seeing you guys out there. I think my favorite song is Bant. Uh, I think that's how you would pronounce it anyway, or Ban- Banty, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I-, I love the groovy section at the beginning. It's so so good how everything works together, and it's like headbangable and and like uh, uh, I guess heavy, but like also kind of like light at the same time. I don't know. It's a weird. It's a weird. Uh, 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 balance you guys have struck with your sound and you got that nice chill section just hanging out in there it's awesome uh also really like uh thagomize thagomize for uh the sick bass clarinet solo dude you don't hear that in (laughs) in metal bands it's fucking insane guys so yeah congrats on the first release congrats on this awesome record like you guys are so sick um thank you thank you thank you how like how how do you incorporate where your influences come from for this what would you bring into this uh, I, Russ, do you want to start? I think like the first place we were like mostly just like Car Bomb and Meshuggah. And we were just <laughs> okay. like, we just loved how, I mean, Car Bomb, like Mike would come in. He's like, I figured out like what mathematically or systematically <laughs> they're doing during this section. I was like, all right. And he would like play it for us and just break it down. I was like, oh, that's so sick. Like, just kind of like finding the pattern of the recipe that some of these like bands are using as like compositional tools. A lot of that kind of stuff, you know, I'm not to say it's numerical or whatnot, but like, cause there's a lot of pitch things also happening, but like that's kind of where we started, like in terms of car bomb and Meshuggah and more like math oriented, like groove stuff like that. I, I think we all kind of have our own personal influences within Maybe within that genre or subgenres, I love like Ruins or Behold the Octopus or like a lot of like uh, uh, magma and kind of like the whole Zool aspect of things and just like weird avant-garde, heavy, loud shit. So 
for me, it was just like, I think like I, I had always kind of had a similar vision in terms of what Mike was talking about of like having a band that was like horn heavy stuff, you know? Okay. And, um, and a lot of the bands that we take influence from don't do that. You know, they're like, there's no horns in any of those bands that I mentioned. Right. So it's like, how do, how do we take that avant-garde aspect of it, but still kind of like not have it go too far into the, the weird and still have it be groovy, groovy, accessible in terms of like headbang and pulse. And like, that was kind of always the goal is to just like, if it feels good to play, like then it would probably feel good to listen to. So the bands, you know, uh, Mike, I'm sure can add to the list too of like influences. Yeah. yeah I mean, those are definitely uh, like in terms of like musical concept and this, this idea of trying to find, always trying to find some kind of groove with whatever the idea is, uh, whether it's straightforward or abstract or somewhere in between. It's definitely, yeah, Meshuga is the kings, always will be, I think. And uh, Carbomb kind of blew my brains out when I, uh, Rajan introduced me to Carbomb. And uh, it kind of just, uh, it opened up a lot of thought processes uh, for me, just about, because um, Meshuga has their thing that they do, and they have so many cool ways of doing it, uh, but it's kind of their thing. And then Carbomb kind of comes at it com- from a completely different angle. But then also, you know, I, 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 I grew up, my, like one of my favorite bands ever is Pantera, you know, and they just, just riffs and, you know, just the classic thing, you know the classic hard rock turned metal thing. Yeah. You're and, just uh, doing so a love... hair with a clarinet now. Right. Yeah. So I, I love that. <laughs> just like the, the old school just Slayer and era thing, you know, uh, not that we really go there that often, but I love that flavor. So like when we have an opportunity to kind of hint at that, I, I like trying can to you, go there. Can you play Pantera on your clarinet? I've learned some, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, but, you know, I, these guys, you know, honestly, uh, they're always introducing me to, you know, other great stuff that, you know, just just sides of, of things that I, I haven't checked out before. Um, but, yeah, we, I don't want to, li- you know, we can we can get into more lists later, but I think Rajan should talk <laughs> next <laughs> about influences. Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as my personal influences go um, as far as what I brought to the band. I think I've been really lucky to have played with, uh, you know, Bedlam and uh, Geigen. And I think a, a lot of the experience I took from people that I played with, I was able to bring to the band. Uh, and Cause a lot of the stuff was already written and really my role was to just fill in my part with what was already there. And then there was some negotiation as far as like, Hey, how about we do this a little bit longer? So some structure changes were made, but, a lot of the stuff is already written and I just try to add my thing to it. Um, so yeah, I mean, the bands we already mentioned, Carbomb, Mashuga, Pantera, Slayer. I mean, like there's like, there's been literally moments when we're writing something or like, Hey, how should we end this? And I'm like, you know what, let's do Slayer. Let's do like, let's do this kind of thing. And you know, I think, I think it's, uh, you know, it should always come from a place of just like, Hey, like we need to give something to the people that they can, conceptualize and understand it's not too you know out there 
something that's like a there's always like some riff that I hear or some sort of you know musical thing and it's like oh that's a Slayer riff or that's a you know there there's something that you can grab onto so uh, that's kind of what I brought on brought to the band is just trying to you know at least if I thought I could make something a little bit more on the heavier side or more on the metal side I would lean towards that and try to do that okay. Uh, you, you mentioned one thing that you're in, or we're in Bedlam of Cacophony. I assume it's a dead dead project now, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, we don't play uh, shows or record, but uh, I mean, sucks. we still talk all the time. Yeah, yeah, bring it back. It Everybody's coming back now. You know, you bring back Bedlam of Cacophony. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, tell those guys. I hope they're listening <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we yeah, we talk about it all the time. It's just I think. Uh, I think it's just a matter of execution. Uh, a lot of it is just like uh, vocalist is out in uh, Vegas. He has a kid and, and uh, he's married and all that. So uh, it's kind of hard to just try to talk everybody to play together again. Uh, but the desire is there. We, we talk about it. It's got to execute. So Okay. Um, At least another album or yeah. something then. Y'all, y'all can work remotely. It's all good. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Okay, that's uh, all the Bedlam questions that I have. I'm a, I'm a big fan, though. You're one of the projects. Yeah, Bedlam's one of the projects that brought me into, into this type of music. So it's really cool having you on, having you on. Actually, I, I'm kind of fangirling. A little Thank bit. you, man. But uh, <laughs> I I see what y'all are talking about in terms of like rhythmically and stuff with like Car Bomb and such. I just didn't didn't think that y'all wouldn't say any bands that like aren't that don't have uh like that i'm sorry i'm surprised you didn't say any bands that do have like horns and stuff in them like the flying lutenbachers like i assume that's yeah. something that y'all are, are into right i i dig i dig them i it's you know what i find is that a lot of times and maybe this is just me is like those bands tend to lend themselves much more to improvisation mm-hmm. in terms of like uh they're more jazz leaning or just like creative music leaning in terms of like uh the horns that they have and the ways that they're used and more within like the John Zorn aspect of things. And so, you know, it gets that avant-garde stamp versus like the metal stamp. And so, okay, I see what, you're saying. what, so what we're doing is like, you know, and, and this is something that comes up regularly, you know, when you see a horn in a band and like immediately there's like, Oh, there's this jazz metal group. Well, it's like, well, nothing really that we do is jazz-oriented stylistically or performatively. It's mostly just the fact that there's a, a bass clarinet in the band that immediately brings that there. So it's like, I mean, I love those bands. Like, I love, like, <clears throat> horn-led metal rock bands, but I find that a lot of times they still do kind of fall within a little bit more interactive uh, terms with each other, and that's not necessarily what we do because our parts, unless there's, like, a solo section which I think, like, through the record, there's probably, like, three of them, but the whole thing is, you know, about 30 minutes. So it's, like, you know, you're kind of looking at more, like, um, it's more rooted in the metal side than in the the avant-garde jazz side of things, or the loud jazz. Okay, I got you. It's it's more controlled than, like, what some, like, the Flying Lutenbachers would have, is what you're saying. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And there's, but that spontaneity and that like in the moment aspect of what they do is like, it's it's brilliant, you know. And it's so oh, yeah, it's like, crazy. It's, it's crazy. so it's so much its own and and you know, um, obviously we take influence from those things, but it's not like a direct like, you know, I want this next riff to take influence from that. We might have some things like that, but it's not necessarily um, where we where this band kind of st- stems and is aiming for. 
You're so you're essentially a metal band and with like keys, but instead of keys, it's a bass, bass clarinet. Yeah, I, I think I think of it at sometimes too is just kind of sounding like a synthesizer. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, it, does, it does. It's super affected, and it's like it, it runs through like so many different elements before it reaches your ears that the the sound of a clarinet isn't necessarily what it is. It's just the tool for it. It might as well be an ewe, you know. Yeah, it's more. It's like I'm I'm trying to I'm kind of keep treating it more like a wind wind controlled synthesizer yeah yeah because same you know what rusty was saying about kind of like approaching the the sound of the band i i'm not thinking i'm not really thinking like a bass clarinet mindset or i'm trying not to you know other than just like the mechanics of playing the thing you know Mm. it's really just about the sound that it can make and those sounds are different than the sounds that you hear with the other instruments traditionally in these styles, you know? Uh, so yeah, definitely think, uh, thinking of it more like a synth in, in a context of like more of the, tr- the classic like guitar bass drums format, I think yeah. is a good way to look at it. Uh, Blizzix in the chat says uh, he's got to go with the bottom left guy for best setup. Not too gaudy, not too plain, just relaxing. Rusty, you win the award, man. Eight out of ten, he says. You know, I, I saw that, and I, I as soon as it's like, who is this motherfucker? Like, I, I feel like I know this dude. Someone's trolling me for sure, man. Uh, it's the fuzzy pillows. It's got to yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, this pillows. is this is the Zenden, you know. Zenden. <laughs> So what's y'all's writing process like? Is someone mainly directing it, or do you guys just bring in different stuff and see what happens? Uh, it's been it's shifted kind of over time a little bit. We tried out some uh, some different stuff over the uh, quarantine days that we could maybe talk about a little bit. But in general, uh, because that first set of tunes. So you know, it took us such a long time to develop and tweak over time. There was a lot of different processes that happened, but it's a whole lot of uh, trying to keep with a couple of core ideas for each song, mm-hmm. and and really yeah. try to get a ton of mileage out of it. Uh, so like Bant is, you know, most of the sections are built off of that first riff, whether it's obvious or not. Um, and it's not only that, but you know, there's other sections too, but the whole like chill section that builds up at the end, even the end jam section, it's all like metrically or otherwise, like it's related to one main idea or a couple slight, main ideas. Slight serialism happening there for sure. It, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot of, a lot of like trial and error. We, a lot of, you know, bring everyone brings something ideas to the table and it's, you know, there's, it's, it sounds corny, but there, there are no bad ideas, you know. Sometimes a lot of stuff we won't use, but it's kind of like it's never uh, dogmatic, which is super nice um, between the, the four members of the band. And speaking of, you know, we, we don't have Jacob here, but he's our, he's our drummer and he's absolutely killing. So he's great to work with, too. Just want to give him a shout. <laughs> so y'all been posting these videos. Actually going to start playing some of them while we're... Uh... Or we're chatting here if I can get to start. There we go. Um, but yeah, y'all posted these videos called Wax Snacks. Is this how y'all like practice over quarantine? So yeah, the way it was the way it started was we were like, you know, somebody will come up with like an idea that's like roughly about a minute. And then from there, like 
they would just upload the Ableton session and everyone would write their parts and upload it and then the next week it would just we would kind of toss it to someone else so like Mike would write a riff I would write a riff Roger would write a riff Jacob would write a riff we each write one and then everyone else writes their parts to it and the idea was to just keep it under a minute and just like kind of one and done and just move on to the next one and you know uh, we hit like a, a cool a cool rhythm for a minute there just like pounding out like just ideas that I don't think would necessarily have come together in that same way if we were in the same room with each other well uh, I'm pretty sure this this actually got on your album right or your EP right like the, the sax part at least isn't that I forget which song no. it was no no okay. not, not those are all brand new brand new compositions yeah oh, okay so this we came after your EP then yeah, we yeah, the recorded EP. the EP. Uh, you go. No, go ahead, Rob. <laughs> I got you, dog. <laughs> uh, I, I was going to say was we recorded the EP January 25th, 26th in 2020. And then after pandemic and everything, we started doing the Wax Next during that time. So it's completely so independent. So you've been sitting on this for over a year? Jesus Christ. It didn't fairly feel yeah. right to release at the time. We, we had it about finished, I think, in the summer of 2020. And then it, yeah. we had already gotten our masters and everything. We were kind of, we were waiting on artwork and such, but at the same time, we weren't really, you know, with the state of the world and everything that was happening, it didn't necessarily feel like uh, it was the right time for us. So we decided to put our, uh, our energy into other places. And we were just like, let's just come up with some new things. and build momentum in the, our writing process and find find people who are wanting to listen to it and you know and then when when the time feels right like and the artwork is done and everything just kind of we'll, we'll put it out and then that's where that's where we are now so yeah but yeah so uh why no vocalist <laughs> that's a great question we actually talked know. about it before <laughs> Uh, we, we basically, when we, when we were kind of doing the current or figuring out what the current setup was going to be with the four piece and, and, uh, that was one, definitely a conversation we had, uh, for a second, we were playing with the idea of maybe Rusty doing some vocals and playing bass, um, short, I don't know, I don't know, yeah, I don't know how serious you actually were about that, um, but yeah, it's, it's something we talked about. And I, I think, you know, I don't know, Rusty, chime in, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we kind of uh, just decided that we wanted the focus to be these, mu like the musical ideas um, yeah. and the tones and the sounds and, and kind of let people put their own thing on it. And that's because that, to me, that's the coolest thing about instrumental music versus music with lyrics is that it is completely open to interpretation you know well uh like what rusty was saying you guys are more organized and you guys like actually kind of have like riff sections and stuff like those kind of sections seem like they would ha uh do really well with vocals being over them if you, yeah. you, you hear them like then uh if they don't they don't necessarily need to you know it's like it's interpretive you know what i mean like uh I, I, I do I do like the the droney aspect of kind of like you know just grooves happening in that kind of way, 
slightly minimalist because there isn't like this like force in your face telling you like the lyrics or like the words you know what i mean it makes it a, a slightly slightly more accessible i think to some but then at the same time like imaginative to the listener because like like what you're saying like you can hear something being there and like i i love that aspect a lot of the instrumental like tech math groups that i listen to too like they're never boring for being so i guess there being so much space and i think that's something that maybe we were really going for okay okay i, I can yeah. get behind that um you do have some odd words for your song titles make up a couple of words i think um for let's just go over them real quick because some of them are really weird sure, sure. uh so we have esv now i think it's either a meme on esp or it could also stand for english standard version which is a literal translation of the bible beautiful so like it. what this what is, is it? What's it about? it's exactly what you it's sure that could that could be it but we're not gonna <laughs> i don't think we're gonna i think random I letters think and throw them together <laughs> no 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 we know what it means but I don't know if we're actually going to ever say what it is because it's kind of like a dumb inside joke. Okay, okay. So uh, it's just a meme. I got you. I don't know. If, nah. Unless, yeah, unless, it, Mike, unless Mike says yay, I don't think we're going to No, I, I no that's, it. It, that's a, that was a perfect segue, Chris, because, you know, <laughs> we're just talking about how the instrumental music, you know, it's open to interpretation. And ESV is also open <laughs> to interpretation. It can mean whatever you want it to mean. <laughs> So we also got Bant, which Bant tea is a water softener, and Bant is also a color combination of Magic the Gathering. So is this a song about Magic the Gathering? I, I wish awesome. it very much. I wish it very much was a song about Magic the Gathering. But I think I might be the only one here that plays Magic. So uh, <laughs> um, no, it's not. It's because Mike wrote this. And it's very Balkany, like, you know, Eastern European kind of line. And it was so hard that you couldn't do it, so you can't play it. So it's Balkant was was what it was for oh a long God. time. And then and then <laughs> when so Jacob weird. when Jacob jumped jumped in and we called it uh Balkant, and we finally just started calling it Bant for short. There was that whole meme world where they just put that weird B in front of things for a moment. Okay. And so that's kind of where it was like, it's like can't with the, that stupid B over it. So that's kind of, and then when we like, we came up, we came up with, uh, yeah, we were talking about like switching the name with something else. And uh, I think Jacob like one to three vetoed it entirely. And he was like, no, that's gonna, that's what it is. So we were like, all right, fuck it. You're so, you're so enthusiastic about it. And I love that. So yeah. We'll keep it that way. Yeah, th th I think the biggest controversy was uh, half the band wanted to get rid of the apostrophe and half Ooh. the band wanted to keep the apostrophe. And luckily, we kept the apostrophe because I think it's very important. It's very, very important to me, at least, to have the apostrophe T. So Mike just said, who see? The two, he, just, he just put the two to two. You can see the yeah. looks on Raj and I's faces. I know, I and then you just didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Ophiuchus, or I think that's how you pronounce it anyway. It, it's not a made-up word. It's actually a star constellation. I'm assuming that's where y'all got that from. Okay. And then it, Thagomized. I totally well, there's thought more this to was... that. There's, there's more to that one. Too. Okay. Okay. Go for it. Go yeah. for it. It is the 13th zodiac sign, which is neglected and never really mentioned. Um, and the whole entire song is actually, for the most part, is in 13 time signature. So, uh -oh. Yeah. Okay, so it actually yeah. has a real meaning behind it instead. Yeah, of, uh, this one, that one, one, one the only one. And so does, and so does. I feel like the the other, the next two. I think they're much more of a meaning than 
uh, yeah. Okay, well, well, let's get to it. So you have Thagomize, which I totally thought was a made-up word. Apparently, it's the act of getting hit by a Stegosaurus's tail, which is weird that we needed a name for that. So, like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Welcome to 2021. Yeah. <laughs> the entire planet gets hit with one gigantic Stegosaurus tail. We were all Thagomize. We have been Thagomize. Yeah, Yeah. I, that's. I just imagine, you know, those snare hits, there's... There's da, the, the da, four da, snare da, hits da. at the beginning of that one, and that's that's the that's the beatdown from the the tail. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Like and then the it. whole thing kind of feels that way too, with the drive and the anger of it. Yeah. Okay. And Just then think, you like, have oh. dinosaurs fighting, you know. <laughs> right. And then you have scissor, which the only weird thing about it is that it's here with all these other words. So why isn't <laughs> why is it scissor and not something weird? I think the idea was like to be like shooting scissors at a full, like speed. Kind yeah, of you you ever uh, you, you, you you ever play uh, Quake, the original Quake? Not much of a game, PC wrong. game. Basically, yeah, there's there's a, back, yeah there's a there's a gun in that game uh, called the it's a nail gun, which you know is a real thing, right? But in that game, it's like a nail gun. You know what I mean? And you you can see it on the it's like Doom, you know. So you see the gun pop up. And on the top of the gun, it says N-I-N. It actually has the Nine Inch Nails symbol on it, which is hilarious. But it's a gun that shoots nails, like, automatic, like, rapid fire. Right. So I was kind of thinking about that, and I thought about what if it shot scissors, pairs of scissors instead of nails. That would be <laughs> almost gnarlier. Yeah, I kind of like, <laughs> it's like, I imagine, like, some anime, you know, like, this, this, the scissors come out and, like, spinning you know, and like sticking somebody. So that's, never, that's yeah. And they never hit you handle side. They always hit no. you pointy side. Yeah, somehow because somehow. Of the magic of the scissors. <laughs> and exactly. I feel like the music reflects that imagery too. You know. Yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be kind of frantic and uh, and uh, threatening <laughs> sounding for the most part. Yeah. Okay. okay. Or a scissor could just be the one part part of the pair of scissors. You can shank people with it. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, or it's a, it's a reference God. to horse the band cutsman. You know. God. Okay. God. Okay. God. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It's, it's not. not. No, 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 it's not. Oh, come on. But, but there's love there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so you got a really sick album album cover made. I got it up on the screen now. Um, it was. Oh, I lost. My Ooh, oh, here we go. And it was made by uh, Car Caroline Harrison, who also does art for Pira and also did art for Pig Destroyer, Portrayal of Guild, Ken Mode in the past, among a bunch of other artists. So this must have been expensive as hell. Y'all going out big for the first EP, huh? <laughs> uh, no comment. Quite <laughs> expensive. <laughs> very much, very much worth it. We are super right. stoked yeah. and, and lucky and, like, I couldn't think of a better imagery representation She's she's amazing. She like well, it's literally works. a wax person like melting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 kind of mentioned what we were you know what we were thinking, and she was mentioned to us what she was thinking, and everything just felt and lined up like a hundo. A hundo. So it was just like yeah, that's that's exactly what we're going for. Yeah, and with with something that's like such a long time coming from the inception of the band into finally having a you know, finished product to share with people finally, you know, that we were really proud of. It, it was, you know, we had to have a killer 
album cover. We had to, you know, uh, in my mind. So I, I, it was, it was totally worth it. And, uh, and we'll, we do it again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think we will actually. Yeah. (laughs) I I feel like I remember somewhere she was saying that she does, uh, like actual paintings. So is this a physical painting somewhere? Mm -hmm. Yes. And tell me you guys own it. Tell me you own it. She has it right now. Okay. I'm in New York. I'll pick it up right now. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> Please. Please do. I, w- I want it on this wall. Hey, how can you get it? <laughs> I will rotate every other week. I'll weekend. pick it up. Isn't, it, isn't that what it. they do? <laughs> isn't that what they do with the Stanley Cup, right? When when a team wins the Stanley Cup, don't they, they just rotate different houses? They rotate it around everybody. <laughs> I'd rather not have it at that point. The, you, know what I mean? <laughs> you want all all or nothing for rusty <laughs> so what was the recording process like the, the entire thing was tempo mapped and we tracked it live with guitar punch-ins and some clarinet punch-ins but for the most part everything uh was done live with just like a few edits okay. um two days Two yeah, days. two day, two full days. Nice, uh, damn, dude, that's fast. Yeah, Seahorse Sound Studios downtown, um, L.A. And yeah, uh, it was kind of crazy. Like the first day, you know, it takes a minute to set up and get your sounds and whatnot. Right. We we started tracking with Ophucius, I think, and I remember like we did like the first take, and we were just kind of like, let's go upstairs and listen to it, you know. And then we all get to our phones like you do in this session. Kobe Bryant passed away, literally. And we're right around the corner from uh, from the Staples Center. So it was just like all of a sudden our you know breaks and sounds outside is helicopters. And I think the Grammys were happening right around the corner as well. Jesus so it was, like, it was like an experience. Like at one point, Raj and I were walking to the bud shop and, uh, and it was just like, you know, it was like a wow, a, 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 a wow kind of moment in terms of what was going on and right. where we were at that time. Um, yeah. Can you, could you like very, hear them in the studio, like the audience and stuff outside? Uh, the helicopters definitely at times, but like, you know, most of that wasn't coming through in our recordings when we were playing. But yeah, there was, there was like, it was a, quite the crowds. Yeah. So, but uh, in turn, that was a very non-musical thing that happened. The recording process, it's, the recording process itself was, you know, it was mostly, it was all live. That's and um, yeah, very, very much rehearsed before this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in all fairness, though, just one, one thing to note, they were, we were uh, adjusting riffs the day before we went into the studio. So. <laughs> did that really? What um, did we change? Uh, the end of uh thagamized yeah that was pretty yeah, last actually minute. yeah that was that was some fuckery for sure yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah that yeah. was fun that was great though those changes i'm really stoked on you know sometimes things yeah. happen last minute and you're like oh man we should be doing this but i think that everyone was super down yeah and we're you know we're we're kind of we're down to be open I think with even pre-existing songs, like if they need to morph a little bit as time goes on, you know, kind of things aren't necessarily set in stone. Like I always like seeing a live, a band live whose record I'm really familiar with. And then they do something different with the song live. You know, I think that's really sick. So I'm 
you know, I'm always down to change things at the last minute. All right, <laughs> it's that, be cool. that phrase is like a song isn't finished until someone hears it. But then Zappa would be like, even then it's not done. And he would yeah, right. literally keep making his songs like, mm-hmm. like there's so many different versions of the same song if you're listening to live tr- recording. So, and I don't know if we'll do that to these. Yeah, we haven't we haven't played it in the same room since then. So, you know, who knows? Well, uh, speaking of playing songs, you guys have played a couple of shows. Um, you got plans and a set for a uh, for a show now or? So in the future? Definitely. Uh, nothing on the books at this point. <laughs> I think that we're looking into like, you know, being pretty uh, calculated about what our performance uh, looks like and sounds like in terms of, you know, in a post-COVID world, but also just like having released a record and now having uh, people's being able to actually hear it and listen to it. What kind of a performance do we want to bring in terms of like visual additions to things so that so that's kind of uh some of the things that we've been playing with and talking about um just so it's not just four guys on a stage playing really complicated stuff uh there's much more uh visually and aesthetically that you can grab and take away with it too that really complements the sounds and so um i don't if not having shows and then having a very calculated show and, and having it be this experience is pretty exciting um, planning process at this point. Um, what are August. some of the things you're thinking of putting in your show? Uh, we've talked about since um, just like a whole visual projections, lighting, um, automation, everything's tempo mapped. Raj has been getting kind of crazy into like the whole pedal pedal world in terms of like automating that as well uh so that there's doesn't have to be a lot of footwork going on for tone zone and stuff like that so how do you automate pedals i didn't know you could do that that'll be my second podcast with you (laughs) (laughs) that's funny so what's yeah we're we're just trying to kind of figure out some ways to yeah to bring you know that the the visual aesthetic of like that album cover, you know, uh, just there's like, there's a vibe there that we want to try to bring in at least in part to the live show. You want to literally melt people's faces off. I would love to, but I think we get trouble. Yeah. Next time you see us, we'll probably have like, we'll have wax faces, you know, or some some shit like that. (laughs) (laughs) So what's the best show you guys have played? I mean, I uh, this is pre Raj Jacob, but I, I really that we did a Atomic Ape and Behold the Octopus show at uh, in, in in L.A. and that was eighteen twenty, eighteen twenty, seventeen twenty, seventeen, sorry, yes, yeah, and that was great. That was super awesome. Uh, we did a show opening for Burning Ghost, uh, which Not is kind of that one. Uh, kind of more like a avant garde rock metal band. Uh, trumpet and and some heavy guitars led um, Dan Rosenboom, amazing trumpet player. Uh, they just put out a record on Zodic, I believe. Um, yeah, we, and then we've like we had as a group we had our like you know all all hands on deck sh- like let's play an LA show before we record our record. 
Uh, and so the, the way that we can kind of like present it and we did like, you know, old town pub in Pasadena, which is a pretty small, small space, but like great ears and good people listening. And it was like, it was awesome to finally play it live knowing that like our drummer's on a click and like, you know, it all worked out. It was re well rehearsed and very well received. And like I said, you know, like we're, we're, we are, we are new to the live performance scene. And as soon as like, as soon as we kind of was like, all right, let's do this. Like all live music kind of went to a, like shut down. So you said new um, to the live performance. You guys have been playing shows since 2017. What are you talking about? In terms of, in terms of like our four, the full lineup. Four, yeah, the full lineup, uh, having the sound and the compositions be at a place where we're like, damn, this is like what we're happy with. Because like I had mentioned before, like, you know, we, we had gone through a lot of different compositional changes. Um, and so a lot of times, like, <laughs> I, I specifically remember once Mike and I, you know, you'd mentioned bands and there's that ending chill section, like it's pretty complex and it was even more complex back in the day. Cause we didn't have a guitar player. So there was much more two hand stuff that I had to do, which I don't have to do as much anymore. Um, nice. and so, and it was just became like this, like extremely complicated puzzle where if we can like nail it it was like oh my god did we just do it and so there's a <laughs> there's a point where we're doing a show i think it's at the rec center and we're looking at each other just like we're like in the last two bars of the phrase no one like lost the beat and we're just like yes <laughs> and so it really does line up like that so you know like um but yeah the, the, our last our last show was probably our best and mm -hmm. that means our next one's going to be better than that. And like, and so, you know, just moving forward with all that stuff, but making sure that every time we do it, we up it up a little bit more so that we're like that much more satisfied and happy with this new presentation. What was the worst show you guys have played? Oof. Uh, I don't, what was our, what was our it. first, probably our first one. <laughs> the, the, the one in Nevada. I mean, it, it wasn't like a horrible set. It was just like we was a lot. were the last ones on, and it was yeah. hot as hell outside. Yeah. We were all completely dehydrated. We went on, and it was just like, okay, let's just, let's just play this, and yeah. we'll be done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we played we – play, there's this bar in downtown called the King Eddie. Very, very old bar, like 1930s Bukowski-type shit. And uh, we, we played, and like mentioned earlier, before we had that beautiful late bass clarinet setup, feedback and everything was just a nightmare. And it was just like, you know, it's how how comfortable can you be playing when you're not really happy and you can't even really hear with what's happening. And so, I mean, we did it. It was great. I loved it. Everyone, everyone, uh, everyone dug it. But it was just like, as a performer, you're just like, oh man, too many tech issues. So. That's behind us now. You know, we don't have that problem anymore. Yeah, yeah ne yeah, never going to have any tech issues again. Yeah. Never, never going to have any yet. tech issues. That's why we're <laughs> automating all our pedals. We're going to even think automate. Always works. Yeah, we're going to automate <laughs> us as well. So. Dude, you're yeah. jinxing it. That's, that's, Come on, man. That's, 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 phase, that's phase three. Yeah, we're yeah. doing phase two right now. Okay, okay. sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we got a question here. We ask everybody, how do you dress your hot dogs? Oh, man. Oh, man. Like we weren't expecting dog. that one coming, were you? I got you though. <laughs> I got the perfect answer, man. Well, what's up? I think that my I have some some uh, Colombian family members listening, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go hard. So they do a Colombian hot dog 
where they put like a it's like a mayo ketchup mixture right and then you do like a uh, cheese like grated cheese and then like a uh, and then you take uh, uh, like just regular Lay's potato chips and you crumble it on top and then you take diced pineapples and you put it on top. I was with and, you before and, the diced pineapples. No, nah, but you, you know what? You would you would be very, very pleased with it. Hmm. <laughs> I'm also not a big fan of ketchup. If you switch that out with sriracha, I think we could be talking. You know, you pine- throw a little bit in there. I think pineapple is a controver- controversial fruit for a lot of people. Well, uh, you know, not 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 with the peeps I've had them with. It's, okay. <laughs> well, I, I love yeah, I love vinegar vinegary tastes. So I love like the classic yellow mustard pickle relish chopped onions okay yeah thing. i know that uh but like it's few and far between but a legit really good chili dog is hard to beat too like a real like good chili with the chopped onions and the melted cheese that's that's pretty solid too tommy's dude tommy's yeah the classic orange grease yeah yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> Stomach hurts just thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Raj? I I can't really build off any more than what you just said, Mike. Everything you said was primo. Uh, I mean, also Good. I play I you know play with Geigen and and the fucking Chicago motherfuckers. They're very particular, so uh, <laughs> not allowed to have an opinion outside of that. No, uh, but uh, no, I, I, yeah, uh, onions and mustard. You don't need a do too much to a dog to make it taste good. You just gotta bring yeah, out some keep flavors. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Don't put pineapple on it. Like, who the heck does that? That's weird. <laughs> I don't know. I was looking at the chat. I was looking at the chat, and I think I got some love there for it. Oh, so. is that right? Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You did. Uh, anonymous <laughs> Talos, something like that. Think, you're you're yeah, getting banned. I'm not... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting banned from the internet. You can't use the internet anymore. After this. <laughs> this serious, okay? Ouch. So you guys are involved in a ton of other projects. Just real quickly, we'll run through some of this stuff. Uh, Rusty, you've got cryptic gall gallbladder splatter, which I would assume I I even call it math core. Is that about what you would call it? No, I would I would say it's more <laughs> like not, man. <laughs> it's like it's more like it's like thrashy gore grind. It's grindcore. It's grindcore. Gory lyrics, thrashy riffs. It's well, like you got a lot of odd time signature stuff too. I mean, you do have more yeah, straightforward but, stuff. Yeah, but we got more non-odd time signatures than we have mixed time signatures. So okay. you know, it's not like odd. it's like it's like that that Van Halen cock rock rock and roll shred vibes going, but like in the best way possible. So oh, I think just, we lost Mike. Yeah, we definitely did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it, that's there and he's back. <laughs> All right. You took. I think you rearranged the screen though. No, I I, I, I had a uh, I I had a boomer moment and I hit the hang up button instead of the mute button. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Alrighty. <laughs> um, but I love how you called you tagged your uh, last album with it, Crunk as Fuck on Bandcamp. That's that's pretty awesome. I didn't even know you could do that. I thought it was just genres, but uh, I didn't know we could do that either. <laughs> I think that that was back in 2010, 2011. I think. I think I think that? Eric had been been in in Atlanta for a while. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, You were also uh, on some Red Fiction stuff. I'm not familiar with that project. Yeah, Red Fiction is like a Jason Schimmel, who's of a stratosphere. Um, 
and uh, plays with Secret Chiefs 3, uh, which is uh, Trey Sperance of Mr. Bungle. Um, and so it kind of has that, like, a combination of psychedelic, surf rock, Balkan, metal stuff. It's instrumental, uh, trumpets, lots of horns, saxophone, great compositional stuff. Um, I play with them for number of years their record actually just came out this year too okay. um, I need to check that and out. so yeah it's, it's great stuff man super super cinematic at the core um yeah and uh yeah it's fun fun stuff fun music to play jason's a great composer uh mike you've got orchestar mez meza and you also have an octet michael mo octet what the heck you have an octet how do you do that yeah so so uh, you know, uh, we talked about jazz earlier, uh, <laughs> and how wax people not being jazz. I am, like, I play bass clarinet a lot, obviously, but I'm also, I play saxophone. I play a bunch of wind instruments and stuff. I come from kind of multiple directions at once, but the, the octet thing is kind of like more like my writing, uh, writing outlet or one of my writing outlets as kind of like more of like the modern jazz thing. Mm. It's like, it covers a lot of bases, but it's like, a um, I play a few different things in there and it's, it's, it's also instrumental. And then the orchestra Mise is a, is a band that uh, I've been in for quite a long time since probably 2010, I think. And then Rusty's been in it also for quite a while. Uh, and that's, Another complete left turn. I play uh, alto funk. sax in that. Yeah, it's it's Bulgarian funk. <laughs> so it's like there's actually odd time signatures, but uh, that's because it's like traditional music from Bulgaria has odd time signatures, uh, and it's wild. So it's kind of like a, a mishmash of like this traditional like Bulgarian like melodic stuff with kind of funky soul, Tower of Power kind of earth wind and fire stuff so it's it's it sounds completely bizarre to describe it but it's it's a super fun band to play in no um, i listened to some of it it's pretty good stuff man Why? thanks yeah, it's, <laughs> it's fun we we yeah. go off on the live shows yeah but it's a party for sure <laughs> and uh raj uh do you have anything going on right now currently uh just try um, uh, other than other, other than wax people, nothing much going on. Uh, I hear a few things from Geigen about potential shows, but uh, when that's confirmed, you'll know. So, Alrighty. uh, so just real quick, uh, you guys don't have any merch, but are you all planning on getting anything together? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're working on working on the the classic the classic merch combos. <laughs> the stickers Dude, and the buttons an and the shirts and shirt the... would be amazing man i i yeah oh yeah yeah that we're we're, we're that's that's on my to-do list definitely absolutely um well i'm gonna go into the outro real quick uh if you're looking for some very forward-thinking progressive metal you should check out wax people's self-titled ep which dropped back in april you guys are on facebook instagram youtube and Bandcamp. you're also on all the streaming platforms am i missing any social plugs Oh, that's good. Oh, I think that's it, yeah. Alrighty. Uh, as for me, drop my channel, follow so you always know when I go live. You can also sub to get access to the interviews before they hit YouTube and other streaming services, as well as some exclusive emotes. Uh, 
and you can sub for free by connecting your Amazon Prime account to your Twitch account, which gets you one free sub a month. You can give it to me. It's like taking five bucks from Jeff Bezos' pocket putting it into mine. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. YouTube, folks, if you like the video, please drop a like, click the notification bell, don't forget to subscribe. It's a great way to support me for free. Check out my music, the sound that ends creation at the sound creation.bandcamp.com. Right now, I don't have a guest for next for this Sunday. Uh, probably just taking it off, but we'll see what happens. Uh, thank you guys for being here. Hope you had a good time. Thank you, Thanks, man. Chris. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Yeah. Hell yeah. Fun. And thank you guys for watching and listening. Fun.